let's just stay in this place of, of just worship. Just um, as Kim was sharing that word, this is the scripture that I had as a foundation scripture for us this morning. It's, uh, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins will burst from, pre- the pressure, from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Father, I'm reminded of the life that you've put in every single one of us because of Jesus, because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And every single one of our desires is individually and together. If we are to expand and take new territory, God, we need to be those wineskins. Wineskins that are made of animal skin, that are flexible, that are organic, that are relational, God. But I'm also reminded, Lord, that the wineskin... the result of an animal dying of sacrifice that you want to put a new wine into lives that are sold out for you Jesus lives that are laid down for you and father the the wine staying in the wine skin just ferments but we want the new wine to get to the people. (laughs) We want it to be lived out, Jesus. And we don't want anything that you've done in our lives to be wasted. We don't want it. We want to preserve the incredible work that you've done in our lives so that people can come and taste and see that you are exceptionally, magnificently good. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a new thing in us, but that we would be those flexible people with hearts that are open, that are ready, that are pliable, that are teachable, because you are taking ground, and we want to be there with you, God. We want to climb on that horse with you, Jesus. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. We declare that, God. You are magnificent. We love you, Jesus. So uh, let me just stand a little bit so that I can see all of you. Well, thanks, guys, that I know so well from Kim. Uh, lovely, and it's lovely to be here, to see new faces. Really, it is to be here again. And uh, this morning, I want to share with you with the most powerful weapon in our hands <laughs> um, that we have. And it's, the, you know, the Bible works very differently, and the, the Christianity and the spiritual weapons we have are not carnal. They are spiritual weapons that we have in our hands. 
And so I want to speak to you this morning about the five love languages of Jesus. See, the wine that we carry, I know there's a new thing that God does in our midst. And there's always within us, there needs to be a flex. Let me start the timer. Honest started. Just once it goes, I've said enough. We need to be pliable and open. I was, as I was pre- preparing, I was reminded that that the skin that the, of the wine skin was of animal skin, and this animal had to die. You'd be a carrier of that. The most powerful weapon throughout history is the cross. The weapon of love. And I want to share on how Jesus, um, how he went from day to day loving people. Loving people. And it is the main thing. Uh, the main thing that we as Josh Jen, and we do lots of courses, uh, which is fantastic. We do lots of discipleship things. We do programs, preaching, good worship and everything. But if we don't keep the main thing the main thing, we lose the essence of who we are. As God's people. Amen? So I feel the weight, but I feel to encourage you this morning that the weapons that we have are far more powerful than you think. And and I'm going to hopefully prove to you this morning that every single one of you carry this weapon in your hand. It's a secret weapon sometimes. Okay. So um, God's ways are not stagnant. That's why... When Jesus spoke that scripture, uh, uh, it's in Matthew 9. So basically, I'm going through Matthew chapter 9, a day in the life of Jesus. This is like what a day looked like in the life of Jesus. And, And this was in the middle of that chapter. It's verse 17, I think it is. Um, It's in the middle, and he's uh, confronting wrong doctrine. Okay, I was thinking the... John's disciples were asking, why don't your disciples fast like we do? So it was all about, about doing things, about religious things. And Jesus was saying, there's a new thing that's happening. I'm not contained by just the religious practices, by the law, and by all these things that man has put in place. The new way is the way of love, the way, the way my life, the life of the spirit. That's what he was actually saying to them. So there's a correction of doctrine that he was doing there. But all along the way, um, he was meeting with people. And I want to go through with you the five love languages from that chapter. So I'm just going to touch on a little, uh, the way that he impacted the lives of people and why the, this weapon and expansion is going to take place probably and maybe easier than you think, but more difficult than you think. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying? Because every single one of you have this weapon in your armory. And, uh, yeah, let me drink some water. So, um, so Josh, Jen, and, 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 and even the New Testament, when we talk about our value system, Acts 2.42 to 47, without the presence and the reality of the life of Jesus experienced through the Holy Spirit, that would have just been doing people shouting and... And, and living a good life. Are you with me? There, there was conviction by the Holy Spirit. Those people's lives were changed. They lived a life by the Spirit in their homes together. This morning was a magnificent expression of, of family. But it was the life of the Spirit based on a response to the gospel 
that caused them to live in this way. So the other day, uh, we're sitting in the car. Now, my son, Bryce, all of you know, some of you may or may not know Bryce. He's, Bryce and Jess are our kids, and we've got two grandkids. And we're sitting in the car, and Bryce and mother are renovating a house. It's been renovated for about four or five months already. So it's been this long process, and now it's near the end. So we went and fetched him from school this, this last past Monday. And um, Harper is six years old, and Matty is four years old. And, uh, and Kim, Kim then starts to ask the girls at the back, have you seen the, so have you seen the house? How's it going? What are they doing in there? And, and Harper's, uh, it's going fine. It's going good. Do the floors look good? Yes. Um, uh, Matty's saying, or I mean Harper's saying, the older one's saying, yes, it's looking good. And like these one-word answers and everything. And in the middle of this kind of discussion of Kim wanting to find out all the details about the house and everything, Matty, sitting in the back, four years old, she says, Nana, If you want to know about the house, go there yourself. <laughs> you can talk about it, but unless you live it, unless you see it, you'll never really experience the change and the new thing that God wants to do. Good on Matty. Uh, just a funny one the other day, because it kind of fits in my preach the other day. So, so I'm sitting there, she's got this big husky, Matty, four-year-old, big husky. You know, that, those big fluffy huskies. Fluffy huskies, toy husky, okay? So, okay, you got it, you got it. Okay, she loves, they both love fluffy things. So yeah, I am. Now, I am been walking with the Lord for over 50 years, loved reading the Bible. Are you with me? I'm... Like my uh, reading the Bible regularly and everything, she's four years old, okay? So now I start singing as if I'm the husky. So I start singing this. He made the stars to shine. You know this song? He made the rolling sea. He made the mountains high. And he made me. And I was just about to go, <gasps> she said, Papa, God didn't, ma uh, God didn't make huskies. <laughs> so I said, why not? She says, He's full of stuffing he made by man. <laughs> he has a four-year-old correcting my doctrine. <laughs> and I've loved the Lord for so long. You know, we need to be adjusting all the time. Because, because I think when God does a new thing, uh, and there's a new thing that God is doing, we must make sure our tendency is to go over what's comfortable. So, so some of us might like our courses. Are you with me? I'm, yeah, what I'm saying. I'm not, I love the... The, the courses of the wineskin, uh, uh, the things that we do, the discipleship things that we do for you, uh, the th things that we've got, the, the foundation, the orientation, all these are a flexible wineskin that we've got, but without the wine in it, it's not going to expand, and we're not going to do what God wants to bring the life and love of Jesus. So we, we tend to veer towards what, what we're comfortable. We sometimes need to be reminded that we're full of fluff. <laughs> and we tend to veer towards what we make, what we want. And so there's always this, and for me this morning, I'm hoping just to, if 
you're not there, or just a reminder of the main thing, the main thing, okay. So we're going to go through, um, we're going to go through the, the, this chapter, see how far we get. If I don't get through it all, I'll just mention to you the five love languages of Jesus. And it's, it's five encounters that he has with people uh, that demonstrate the love language of Jesus. What I loved about this chapter, and if you look through the, through the book, especially the New Testament, and celebrating this morning new members coming in, just the kind of people that Jesus invited into his world. And I'm amazed. <laughs> Incredible. If you look at Paul in, in the book of Philippians, that church was started with a very wealthy businesswoman, Lydia, a slave woman that was abused by slave drivers, full of demons, and a jailer who kept Paul and Silas, I think it was, in prison. They get saved and they get committed, and we are one, as you're saying. Incredible. Incre only God. <laughs> you are here only because of God. Amen? Because of the love of God. Um, anyway, I'm going to digress. Uh, the church family is a miraculous expression of the life and love of Jesus. So I'm wanting to see the kind of people that, that he touched along his way. Uh, for me, a safe place doctrinally. <laughs> safe place for me. Look at Jesus. <laughs> okay. Okay, for me, it's, it's kind of a safe place. I hope I interpret uh, what Jesus does uh, accurately. Are you with me? So... It may seem quite um, a mushy if it kind of message, but actually it's not mushy because it's mighty. <laughs> okay, it's actually our strongest weapon. It's our strongest weapon for expanding God's kingdom. Okay, this is how what Jesus, when he will goes about business, when he is ministry, he sees. He steps in. He does something. He reconciles. And he steps on a destiny. Look, look at this. Look what he does in his ministry. Uh, and for us to open our eyes, it's almost like every day Jesus opened my eyes to see people the way you see them, to the circumstances what you see uh, every day. Hopefully this is uh, going to encourage you, and I'm hoping not, hopefully I'm uh, inspiring us to live the Jesus life within Josh Dent, the, the wineskin of who we are within the New Testament. Are you with me? Okay, so the first love language, words of affirming grace. Words of affirming grace, uh, verses 2 to 8. Okay, this is Jesus now. Some men brought to him a, a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At, uh, at this, some of the teachers of the law said to them, this fellow is blaspheming, knowing, by the way, love isn't always mushy words. Love actually confronts. It's not really part of what I want to share, but actually we need to confront wrong belief systems and wrong things in our hearts. We need, we need to be sometimes with correction, sometimes with confronting. Okay, so this is what Jesus did. Knowing their thoughts, he said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? That's confrontation. Okay. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, 
This is redemption. This is restoration. Get up, take your mat, and go home. The man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. And that praise God had given such authority to a man. There was a man who could do nothing for himself. I don't know for how long we was paralyzed. We know this story is a little bit different in the book of Mark. Um, but as you know, in those days, someone who was paralyzed from birth or being paralyzed, they would label that as either parent's son or his son, whatever the case. So there was a label. There was a stigma attached to being paralyzed. Generally speaking, someone who was paralyzed was on the sidewalk that was begging it. He was totally dependent on others. There was nothing he could do for himself. That's why four friends who happened to just know him, maybe from birth, whatever, were willing to carry him uh, to Jesus. Um, and so there was nothing he could do for himself. And you, I want you just to have a look and see what the affirming words of grace does. A man without destiny, without identity, without a sense of belonging, without a sense of, of going anywhere in life, hopeless, a beggar. This is what Jesus, he sees him. Obviously, he sees the faith of the guys that brought him, his friends that brought him. And he says, I see your broken heart. Take Take heart. I want to put hope in you again. I want to put hope in you. These are the words of Jesus. It's grace. That man couldn't do anything for himself. It's only the words of mercy and grace that spoke into that situation. Okay. Take heart. He discerned the heart of the man. And he discerns where your heart is right now. Where's your heart? words of grace want to come in and want to speak. He says, and he says, son, son, I want you just to maybe put yourself in that paralyzed man's life who was probably um, ridiculed, probably bad words spoken, begging his whole life, had an identity. And the, Jesus says, I'm going to do something in your heart today. First of all, I'm going to speak sonship over you. While the man was far off, while the son was far off, the father saw him and ran out to meet him. My son. The son, did, the son didn't have to change his clothes. You're stinking of pigs. It says if you read the prodigal son, the father said son and embraced and kissed him. While we we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us so much. We, 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 he didn't qualify. We don't qualify for God's love. It's his mercy and his grace. And he reinstated the man's identity. Then he said, what I'm going to do is, I'm, your sins are going to be forgiven. So what I'm actually doing is, I'm breaking the curse of the words that people have spoken over you, that you are paralyzed because of a sin over your life. The very spiritual problem, he hit the root of the problem. Your sins are forgiven. That's the root. That's the root. If your sins are forgiven, get up. You've now got a destiny. Now you've got a future. 
And I love this English. Jahan, you've got belonging. You belong. And I wondered sometimes the way we speak, the words we use over one another. What are the words you speak over your own life? Are the words of your own life words of affirming grace? Do you speak the words of Jesus over your life where he says to you, take heart, my son, I know where you are. I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. I want you to take heart. You're my child. Now pick up that mat, the very thing that, that, that um, restricted you, the very symbol of the stigma that was attached to you. Take hold of it and you say, no longer am I going to be defined by this. This is now my victory. This is now my testimony. And God, Jesus, reinstated his sonship and his destiny and his belonging in words that he spoke over, over that man. What beautiful, eh? <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. You are loved. What words are we speaking about others? We all, I must just tell you, our tongues. We've got to be careful of what we say. I'm speaking to myself now too, because um, we're in the people business and we, we're loving and we're in family. If the end product of what we're saying is not redemptive, then don't say it. If it's not for restoration, if it's not for, if it's not for uh, encouraging people in their, in, their, in their heart and, in their, and to bring them to a place of wholeness and, and re, uh, uh, reinforce sonship and destiny and belonging, then rather keep it yourself and pray about it. <laughs> I say this to myself because we, we talk about people all the time, and I say we need to just all the time saying the love language of Jesus God's grace, affirming grace. Hello, are we there? This is a battle. We're fighting a battle with each other, for each other. Not one stays behind. We don't want to lose one. That's what I'm saying for the Josh Jen kids. We don't want to lose one. We don't want to lose one. So we need to do everything we can by keeping all those with us. And we do go through difficult things. The reality is every single one of us were paralyzed by the fall. Every single one of us in our lives needed a savior. Every single one of us needed the mercy of Jesus to step into our lives. And it's good to be reminded about what Jesus did to us as a foundation to what we say, what we see and what we say. Amen? Okay, there we go. There we go. So uh, the other day, a while back, about two years ago, um, we're sitting in, uh, um, I think it was a spur with the girls, and Kim's demeanor was a little bit down. Is this feeling, I don't know, maybe just uh, very um, distracted, whatever the case is. And I'm playing with the, with the girls, with the two girls on the stuff. I, I'm that granddad, by the way. <laughs> Jungle Jims, that's me, okay? I do it a bit slower these days. <laughs> uh, and I have to, get my, I have to contortion my, my play into very small spaces. But um, uh, Harp was probably about five at the time, eh? about five, five at the time. She uh, snuggles up to Kim while I was there. And she just uh, snuggles up. 
to Kim and she says, Nana, make sun not shade and we can move off. Make sun not shade. What's the worst? Are they making sun? Making shade? Amen. (laughs) Words of affirming grace. Okay, next one. Are you with me? Compassionate acts of kindness. Compassionate acts of kindness. Hopefully I don't get um, annihilated for, uh, what's it called, a license for using the five love languages. But anyway. (laughs) Okay. It says, Jesus then, just then, this is soon after, let's go to the other. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if, if, he, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. You must remember there's a crowd, hundreds of people. Jesus turned and saw her. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, there we go. Daughter, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Jesus, if you the context, as I said, was a crowd pressing in on him. The pop, he was very popular, extremely busy. Lots of things, lots of people pressing around him. He was focused. He's got a journey. He's got a mission. He's got ministry. He's got people to heal. He's got things to do. He's only got three years to do it. Whatever. Whatever time it was, more or less. And in that busyness, he stopped. She's the one. I see you. And I want to say that Jesus is the one who sees. But it doesn't just say there, he says, I'm going to show kindness. I'm going to show kindness. You see, a woman in those days, number one, was bleeding, as you know, from the law, even uh, with her natural menstrual cycles, as you know, in the Old Testament, had to go out, seen as dirty. Are you with me? So she had this bleeding that was happening, which rejected her all the time. She was rejected. She was an outcast. No one could touch her, and she could not touch anyone, especially a man. And Jesus saw where she was at. He saw where she was at. I'm going to say that Jesus wants to know that in the crowd, he sees you in the crowd, sees us. And he steps in for the one. The Lord spoke to me when I've shared this before. I don't know which context, but coming from Mossel Bay, when when we had um, planted the church, we planted a church in Mossel Bay. Those of you who don't know, Kim and I planted a church in Mossel Bay, which is now the Dostian Church, which is now six congregations. (laughs) Just God did incredible things, okay? (laughs) So it's just amazing what God has done there, and we're so delighted about that. But from leading a congregation and going to nations and training leaders and everything, I came yeah, to this congrega- to City Bowl congregation and uh, came under Ryan Kingsley and the elders that were there at that time working together with them and I was asked to have coffee with people. 
So um, so I had to go through a whole, my wineskin had to, <laughs> sometimes we have to do less to be more effective, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, and then one day that I came away from a, a coffee with someone and I'd give them just normal kind of partial advice, whatever the case is. Lord, is this it? You know, I'm oh yeah, destined to have, have coffees with people and correcting and encouraging and correcting. And that's what we need to do, the words of me, okay? We need to do that. Uh, and then the Lord spoke to me uh, into my spirit. He said, tell me, how does the kingdom advance? One life at a time. Coffee's good. And now we have a thing with Jocelyn Kids. Nearly a thousand kids, plus the God in me and us, which is for the junior youth, and that's who I take this over. And we're overseeing or facilitating a part of the hub, six moving between congregations. Starts with me not forgetting that one person counts. Every single one of you can make a difference in one person's life this week. Hello. Every one of you, word of affirmation of love, of grace, spending time. Okay, I'll get onto that just now. <laughs> I remember Ian and Kate, I'll say it because they are dear, dear, dear friends, coming from Mossel Bay to, to Cape Town. Just that, that They did not know us at all. Do, have you been to Mossel Bay at all? They're not, eh? Twelve years ago, man, we were coming to Mossel Bay. From we were coming from Mossel Bay to Cape Town, and they looked for houses for us. I don't know how many hours they physically went to the houses. They literally, when we came here, I don't, I can't remember if we stayed with. We, I can't remember anyway. Just made us feel home, and they didn't have to do that. Acts of kindness. I remember moving uh, from Milnerton Ridge to to Flamingo Slayer. I think Jono was there and Clint and some helped us move got a truck and helped us move acts of kindness. Little things, acts of kindness. Who we are, who Jesus is, and we want this life and love. The moment we as Josh Jen loses the main focus of our mission of loving people, of, of bringing the treasure of Jesus in us to others, the moment we lose that and we become just programs and discipleship models and everything, we lose the life of what Jesus called us to. Amen? So I want to encourage us to love people with acts of kindness. Cool? God puts the lonely in family. He saw that woman on her own, and he offered her not only a way out of that pain, but a way in to family, into belonging, from being an outcast through to being intricately part of the family. Beautiful, eh? Jesus is simply incredible. Okay. Healing physical touch. Healing physical touch. I'm going to take a drink of water. Look at my time. Oh, you're going to miss out. Okay. <laughs> Healing physical touch. I'll just read it quickly for you. It says, and Jesus passed on from there. Here he keeps on saying. This is, next, this is a day in the life of Jesus. Okay. Two blind men were following him, crying out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Look at this. Then 
he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. See, the moment, I'll do it, Sean, that I know, I touch someone. I'm actually saying, you can touch me. Hello? If I, when Jesus touched their eyes, he was inviting them to a place of intimacy, of touching his life. There's a thing of, uh, I'll just give you a quick, Matty the other day, we've been away, sorry, I use my grandkids a lot because they teach (laughs) a lot about God. So, uh, so we've been away for a while on a trip to the South Cape or wherever it was, or on holiday. We were away for about two weeks or ten days, whatever the case is. Matt, Matty and uh, Harper, they were staying with us at the moment, the kids with us, just in this building process. And, and Matty is very much a very tactile, tactile grandchild, okay? So she goes to sleep at night, uh, and in the middle of the night, she uh, just tells, tells us this the next day. In the middle of the night, Matty wakes up in the middle of the night and she says to Jess, Mommy, Nana and Papa are back. I've got lots of hugs in me. We need to have lots of hugs in us. <laughs> okay? I'm talking about a holy kiss. <laughs> Greeting each other. I'm talking about getting into one another's lives. I'm getting into touching the lives of people. The moment we touch people's lives, we invite them into our lives, and Jesus did that. He did that. The prophetic. Often we, you know, the gifts that we're laying hands on people and we're praying for people. It's actually an invitation to intimacy with Jesus and encouragement in that. Praying on releasing people this morning, laying hands on you, there's, there's this invitation into intimacy. And so we need to be people that are, have got lots of hugs in us, okay? Lots of hugs in us. Be willing to touch the lives of people. Jesus wasn't intimidated by a woman who was bleeding and was seen as outcast to touch him. Jesus wasn't intimidated by people that were blind to touch them and bring them a place of healing. Amen? I'll go through these quickly now, okay? Quality time. With the broken. As Jesus went on from there, there we go, next, uh, next hour, <laughs> whatever it was, went on from there, saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And as Jesus reclined, can I say, I'll read this again. Tax collector, outcast. Businessman, not interested in God, not thinking about God, all the thinking about himself, his wealth, and mercy stepped in. He said, I'm coming to spend some time with you. Quality time. I'm coming to have dinner with a sinner. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And Jesus reclined at the table in the house of sinners, and behold... Many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus. <laughs> we are talking about quality time with Jesus. How's that, eh? How's that? I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna land it now, hopefully with it. That's 
You're welcome. <laughs> I think you get the, get the picture, and he says, but, uh, and, and obviously he had to correct the religious guys again. So there we come again, love correction. The religious, how can you spend time with sinners? Okay. Um, but he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire the love and life of Jesus, not just a program, not just a religious act. For I came not to call the righteous or those who think they're righteous, but sinners. When last did you have dinner with a sinner? Or someone that's broken? Far away from the Lord. I've, um, my sister's here at the moment. She came about two months ago from America. She's broken. Her kids, she's got two children. They basically want nothing, very little to do with her. They've actually sent her to this country because they don't want to be around. She's, she's caused a lot of harm herself. She's medically not well and she's mentally not well. I say this before, he says, I'm being vulnerable now. She's a sinner, as I am, as I, and she needs Jesus. She needs Jesus in her life. When I had a little bit of a conversation, I just started open up. I said, I can't wait to see the Lord can do something in your life. She says, I'm at peace. She's gone to new age stuff, but she can't get out of her flat. She literally stays two minutes from here in the flat, literally two minutes broken. But Jesus, I, I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what God's asking me to do uh, fully, do what I can right now. But I'm trusting she finds family. I know your family, yeah? I'd love to see her. She's, she knew Jesus many, many years ago. She was married to a pastor. She's part of a church. She's part of, grew up with us. And she needs quality time with Jesus and people who love Jesus. And just love her for who she's at right now. And, and Jesus, because she, she's heavy, heavily medicated, most likely addicted to many of those. I'm saying this, I'm being vulnerable as I could say. Yeah. But that's the reality of where she's at and many people that you may know and family you may know. And I trust that she hasn't come here just to live that life. She's, I've literally seen her once a week and she's out for two or three hours, literally in, in that flat up the road there. Probably most days or can't get up at that. But that. Anyway, I say that because she's one and there's others of us that need to spend time with Jesus. And, as, and the only way she's going to see it, her, her, her exposure to church has not been the best. And I wanted to, to see the love of Jesus in us. I love it that you're open. You're entrusted as open. I say that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> Mercy. It is the foundation of the gospel. Jesus said later in Matthew 9 verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And finally, I'll land with this. Such love language, giver of generous gifts. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It's you and me. Let me tell you, you are the gift. He's given you gifts and different things. Things may be different in gifts of the Spirit. But the most important gift you can give to one another is the gift of love. The most important gift you can give people, the wineskin of who you are, this flexible wineskin, is what you carry inside of you. It's the life and love of Jesus. And I'm trusting this morning as we've celebrated family, we've done some family things, and I've come here and just shared my heart about the most powerful weapon. I think it's the most powerful weapon because it's demonstrated on the cross of Jesus because of his love. He annihilated the enemy totally. And it was the love that took him there. It was the love that held him there. It was the love that took him off the cross. The love that raised him from the dead. His love for you and for me. May we be the people. May we be the worship team guys or Mosaic can come forward. If we could be only those people that are the, the, this flexible wineskin that carries the love of Jesus and then we pour out our lives to one, an, with, to one another on a daily basis. We become those that don't want to just talk about the love of Jesus, but we show it every day that our eyes, like Jesus, see you, we step in to do something about it. Amen? I mean, trust has been encouraging for you all. I know you're in a new phase of expansion and this, but keep the main thing, the main thing, that you keep loving Jesus. And as a, as the worship team just begins to, to pray, I'd love us to break bread. What is the time? Don't know. It's up to you. Maybe it's a bit late. I don't know. Maybe in the comms, it's up to you. You can do it now. It's ready. You know what? What a wonderful way <laughs> to demonstrate the love of Jesus when we break bread with one another. We can speak the words of affirmation. We can touch one another's lives. We can bring those that are feeling a bit lonely closer. We can be that gift to one another. If we can't do it here, how can you do it? Not, how can you do it in the world? God wants to pour His new wine into us. But it's not actually new wine, eh? It's actually just wants to have a fresh outpouring of His love and His life by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And so, I think the best, best would be maybe to break up into group, groups, eh? I think the best would be in a moment's time, because I do want to quickly pray for us before I do that. We're going to break up into groups and we begin as we share the cup the cup, which is the new wine in the new wineskin. What way, what, is, what are the words of amazing affirmation that I can pray over you today? What is the need in your life? Can I pray over you? Can I, is there area of healing? So there's something of healing that came through. Do you need healing, physical healing? I encourage you wherever, okay, touch. Okay, appropriately. <laughs> Touch and you pray for healing. It's, it's, we can minister. What a wonderful place to minister to one another. But there are some visitors here. And, or there are visitors. Some of you, I don't know where all of you are at. But as I've been speaking this morning, and um, 
this love, you feel, man, that's the love I want to experience, the love of Jesus. That's the love of Jesus. And, and you may not think you deserve it. You may not feel you deserve it. You don't. That's me. I don't deserve it. I don't feel I deserve it. I know I don't deserve it. But it's God, it's God and Jesus' extravagant love for you and for me. He wants to step. He sees where you're at. He sees where your heart wants to step into your life. He wants to say, come, my child, my son, my daughter, take heart. I want you to pick up your mat. Pick up that thing that you're struggling with. Pick up the thing that has, that has, that has restricted you. And I want you to walk into destiny. I want you to find your place. I want you to be in this house as a, as a family. As, as a son and a child and daughter as part of this family. Let's close our eyes quickly. I just want to see you. Is there anyone here that, as I've shared, wants to know this Jesus and come with their lives to Jesus? Say, Lord, here's my life. I want to give it to you. It's yours. I don't fully understand what I'm doing necessarily, but what I do know is that I do know that you love me and that I want to come into your family. I want you to heal me. I need my sins to be forgiven. I need to be made whole. I need to become into family. I'd love an opportunity to pray for you. That's, that's you. Why don't you just put up your hand? Anyone here? Anyone here? I don't want to miss this opportunity. If no one puts up their hand, I would presume that every single one of you know Jesus personally. Anyone? You want to know Jesus as your personal Savior? Jesus, your love for every single one of us is incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just pray that as we break bread with one another together this morning, that the reality of the life and love of Jesus would be poured out amongst us as we pray, as we share, as we just trust you by your spirit to heal. Trust you to, to give us encouragement and, and a future, God, that you, would, that you would come in right now uh, as we would share, as we pray for one another. There'd be tangible encounters with you, Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's maybe just get into some groups, maybe four or five or something like that. Are there guys that are serving? The, do they serve? Do they need to go fetch? Okay, then one or two of you for, or whatever, just go fetch and then sit together in the group. And this is Jesus' time. Sharing Jesus with one another, the gift of Jesus inside of you. And, and then uh, I don't know if we'll land with worship or the guys may sing a worship song as we land it. Bless you guys. Love you guys.